Welcome everyone to the Money Mentors Podcast. My name is Glenn Fairburn and I co-host this program with Nathan Lear. We're both directors and private client advisors at Hewison Private Wealth, which is one of Australia's leading independent financial planning and wealth management firms. Um, the objective of our podcast is to improve financial awareness and financial literacy. Um, this week on the podcast, we chat about the tax implications and options of potentially um, obtaining a, a cash windfall, whether that's inheritance, redundancy, um, or even, you know, to your luck, perhaps a lottery win. Um, so look, we, we work through a number of those issues and all the things that you should consider if you do um, come into money. So we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome everybody to this week's episode. So Glenn, today we are going to have a discussion around the concept um, of coming into unexpected money. So uh, just to introduce the the topic, um, I guess throughout most people's lifetime, you'll there will come a, a stage or a time in your life where you do come into some money. Uh, now just a couple of examples of what that could be. An inheritance, quite often you can receive an inheritance from maybe parents or, or other family members or, or friends, um, a redundancy payment. If, if people are made redundant from, from their employment, they could come into a sum of money there. Um, bonuses, often people are remunerated uh, based on a bonus structure. That could be, at times, substantial sums of money. Um, and probably the last example I had here is lottery or gambling style winnings. So, um, yeah, we're just going to have a chat about uh, if you do receive uh, a sum of money, some of the key things that you can you can think about. So, Glenn, to, to kick it off in a bit more detail, um, the first point I wanted to raise was just the taxation side of it. So, yeah. probably you come into some money, um, probably the first thing that you need to do is think about the, the tax. Yeah, I suppose maybe we'll break it down into those different segments that you mentioned and the first one being inheritance. I suppose we're fortunate in Australia that there's no... Um, estate taxes as such, um, there is, I suppose, tax applicable to superannuation, death benefits that we'll talk about in a moment. But, um, you know, if, if it comes, obviously an inheritance can come in many forms, whether it's cash, whether it's property, whether that be the, an investment property um, from an estate or a principal residence from an estate um, or, or shares. And, and that's where it's important to understand the tax implications because, I mean, I've, I've seen a few examples with clients that have, received an inheritance and, and you know, as, as part of the estate, what the executors did, probably in consultation with beneficiaries, was, was just sell everything. Um, and and there, there can be substantial capital gains tax implications as a result of that, depending on when those investments were purchased. So just to go back a step, uh, firstly, if, if it's an investment, like if, for example, you inherit or, or an estate had owned an investment um, that they'd purchased before 1985. Um, there's no capital gains tax as such if that asset was sold on the date of death, but effectively the market value of that investment is the value, or sorry, the cost base of that investment is the market value as a as that date of death. So, so just to kind of break that down a bit, any any gain on that asset throughout its lifetime until the date of death has been completely tax free. That's right. So, for yeah. example, if if you're if your um, grandparents had owned an investment property that they'd purchased, you know, before 1985, um, they passed away, and then the decision is made to sell that asset 
as of their date of death, then there won't be capital gains tax implications. But, but if the, the beneficiary inherited that asset, they, would, um, they wouldn't inherit any cost base. Uh, well, the cost base would be the date of death. So yeah, any the valuation gain, as at the date of death. Yeah. So basically any, yeah. any increase in the value or any capital gain from that asset from the date of death to the point where they sell it or where the beneficiary eventually sells it, that's where there might be capital gains. So that that 1985 date is, is quite a... Or 1985, um, I've got the specific... September 20. September yeah. 20. That's quite a, an important year, isn't it? Yeah, from a definitely from a capital gains perspective, mm. in particular with, with inheritances because, you know, for, for a lot of people inheriting, it, it, it's probably most likely to be from someone elderly who may have held assets for a long period of time. So that pre-1985 situation um, is, is pretty clear and, and, and there's not much of an impost, but... The real risk, um, I think, that, that tends to arise is, is when uh, an estate or an individual's purchased an asset after 1985, held it for a long period of time, they pass away, their beneficiaries inherit those investments. Um, and, and the first thing is look at the dollar value and then just they say, well, they want to sell it. Yeah. And there's significant, well, there can be substantial capital gains tax implications. So that's really where you need to look at each individual asset um, when it was purchased and what the potential capital gains tax implications are because one asset can have no capital gains tax if it's sold as that date of death, um, whereas the other can have substantial capital gains and it can really erode away any inheritance. And if the asset was originally purchased after 1985, you you inherit the cost base. Yeah. So let's say you know a property was purchased in, I don't know, 1990, and it's um it's got a significant capital capital gain. The um the person that inherits that property may potentially, depending on their situation, be best just to hold it and not realise that really big capital gain. Yeah, and that's where it comes down to what their situation is, mm. doesn't it? I mean, if, if they're retirees and perhaps you know that they need in, they need the income from that investment, then they might decide to retain it so long as it fits with the remainder of their strategy. Whereas if they're quite young and they've got you know mortgage obligations and things like that, then you just make an assessment as to, okay, what's my capital gains tax implication? What's the cost in selling the asset um, from a tax perspective? But then what am I going to gain by perhaps repaying some some debt? So there's just a number of different scenarios to work through there. And then if it's the principal place of residence, um, there's no capital gains tax applicable to that if it's sold um, yep. you know, close to date of death. Obviously, date if death, you hang yeah. on to it and it becomes an investment, then any growth in that asset from the point they pass away to when you sell it, they there can be capital gains tax implications, but ordinarily there's unlikely to be capital gains tax implications from the sale of a principal residence if it's close to date of death. So superannuation, I think think you touched on, has a, has a different set of rules. Do you just want to maybe quickly, we'll, we'll go through a couple of scenarios in terms of how superannuation benefits can be taxed on, on death? Yeah, and as, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, we, we don't have estate taxes in Australia, but I suppose this is you probably agree, a little, a little bit of a way for the government to get around it in that there is the potential that tax can be paid um, by an estate upon the receipt of a superannuation death benefit. Um, and ultimately, that just depends on whether the beneficiaries are dependent, so basically a spouse or or dependent child or a non-dependent. Um, so if you've got superannuation passing from one spouse to the next, then, then there's no tax payable. Um, but if, for example, it's, it's being paid to a, an adult child who's not defined as dependent, um, there can be substantial capital gain, sorry, substantial death benefits tax payable. But that does depend on the, 
on the breakdown of, of you know what's within superannuation. Sure, sure. Okay, so look, covering off on 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 the inheritance side of it, um, there potentially can be some some significant tax to think about. We'll just quickly go through a couple of the other. Um, areas that we want to talk about in terms of taxation. So look, from a redundancy payment point of view, um, there, there is, um, I guess, some concessions available, but it is quite likely there will be some some tax uh, applicable. Yeah, depending on the size of the redundancy, depending on how long you've worked at the employer, that there, there is some concessions and some tax-free amounts. Um, but another thing that you just need to be careful of from a from a tax perspective, if, if and when you do receive... A, uh, a redundancy payment. There are tax implications to be aware of. Sure. Um, look, with all with all these taxation matters, we would strongly advocate that um, you do seek advice from a, a registered tax agent, so your accountant, because it can be you know, it can be quite tricky navigating through these um, the, these taxation matters. Um, the, the other the other um, thing we spoke about was a work bonus. So, look, obviously, um, bonuses are, are generally taxable at your at your marginal rate. Um, I suppose it can get a little bit um, trickier if there's uh, stock involved. So if people um, receive bonuses in the in the in the form of um, shares for a, a listed company, for example. Yeah, and, and that's where you know there there are situations where you may receive shares that um, aren't vested in that you can't sell them, but you may still have to pay tax on them. Um, and, and that's where you may have to sell the shares to pay the tax or come up with other funds. So. This is an area that just I suppose what we're trying to do is bring awareness to these sorts of things where yeah. there's no such thing as a free lunch. Most of the time when you receive this financial windfall, whether it's a cash bonus or uh, by way of shares, there are tax implications. I suppose from a from a bonus perspective, if, if it is in cash, you do have some options to try and minimize the tax um, in that if you just receive it as a, as a cash payment, um, then as you said, Nathan, it would be taxed that your marginal rates. However, depending on how much you're contributing or your employer is contributing to superannuation each year, there may be the option there to salary sacrifice that bonus mm. into superannuation so that there's potential where it's taxed at you know top rate of 15% instead mm. of your marginal rate. But once again, important to seek advice definitely with relation to that option. Definitely, because there can be a superannuation guarantee on the on the bonus component as well. So That's right, yeah. Definitely a few things to consider there. And look, the last one we had was lottering, from a tax point of view anyway, lottery or, or gaming winnings, for example, which in Australia are generally tax-free if, if not considered um, you know, carrying on a business. So if your earnings from that, let's say you're, you know, buy a buy a weekly um, tax lotto ticket and, and win the lotto. That's not your business. So um, the windfall that you receive from that would be tax free. However, one important thing to think about there is, um, you know, any earnings from that money or any money you receive, any windfall you receive, um, any ongoing earnings will obviously be taxable, which we'll probably work through a little bit further as we have this discussion. So just wanted to cover off on the tax side of it because it can, you know, as we spoke about with a few of those examples, tax can eat into a fair chunk of um, you know, the, the amount that you receive from whatever the windfall gain might yeah. be. Yeah, um, so, um, So look, I guess now we've thought about the tax, you've, you've obviously got the money in your hand. Um, what what can you do with the money? So let's work through um, a few scenarios and um, look. It is it, it can be potentially it can be an emotional or a stressful time, especially if it's an inheritance. You might have lost a, a loved one, or if, if you made redundant, um, you know, you, you perhaps perhaps um, kind of been told to move on from your job. So it can be a bit going on. So it is good to 
um, you know, have, have the right people in your corner to, to lean on, whether it's, you know, your accountant about the tax or a financial advisor about some of the more, you know, strategic matters. And that, that's where I suppose that the, the first thing we suggest, if, if you do come into money, whether it's inheritance or bonus or redundancy, whatever it may be, it is important to get advice, isn't it? Because everyone's situation is different and the strategy that will, would potentially put you in the best possible position could be different per individual. For sure. So, Glenn, I'll throw it over to you in terms of now you've got the money in your hand. What are some of the uh, obvious things I suppose you can you can do with that money? Obviously, very dependent on your specific specific situation. That's why a, a caveat once yeah. again: seek advice because everybody's situation is different. But in terms terms of some common ways you might be able to put that money to best use, what are some of the obvious ones? Well, I suppose normally what we would say as far as prioritizing um, different financial objectives. If there's cash available, the number one thing you'd be doing is looking at your debts and trying to get rid of those. The reason being that any investment that you purchase, the return is going to be taxed. So, so let's just say um, you're, you know, you simplistic, simplistically you put the money in a term deposit and you get five percent return. Well, there's potentially you're going to lose half of that through tax. So your net return is two and a half percent. Now, if you compare that net return with what potentially a loan is costing you, so a home loan might be costing five. Um, so in that example, um, the, the net return that you have to get to basically match paying off your mortgage is 5% per annum because any dollar of interest that you save, you're not paying tax on that. Whereas any investment that you purchase, you're going to be paying tax on the earnings. So if you're looking at a home loan rate of 5%, then arguably the gross return that you need to generate to beat paying off your mortgage is almost 10%, assuming that you're on the top rate of tax. Um, so if you've got that cash windfall um, and you make the decision not to pay off your mortgage and invest, then you need to be generating a gross return of you know, probably in excess of 10% per annum. Now that is possible, um, whether you buy shares or property, whatever it may be, it is possible. But the one um, caveat on that is it's not a guaranteed rate of return because you're exposed to market risk and so forth. Whereas if, if you're committed to repaying debt, then you're getting that absolute guaranteed net return of 5% per annum. So normally what we'd say to clients is that because 10% is quite an aggressive guaranteed return, which is very, very difficult to achieve consistently year in, year out, um, we would suggest repaying the mortgage because in, in my view, and you probably agree, Nathan, you know, a 10% gross return per year is a pretty good rate of return, isn't it? So, yeah. And that's just yeah. assuming mortgages. I mean, there's... There's other loans that could be a higher interest rate than that. If you're looking at personal loans, maybe 10%, um, credit cards, 20%. Um, so the first thing you'd be looking at doing is, is getting rid of those um, those loans for sure. De- definitely paying down non-deductible debt where you don't get <clears throat> any tax advantage on the interest component is is always prudent advice and it's probably you know, almost 101 of financial planning, pay, pay down debt. Um, one, one thing to, to consider... Uh, if you do, if you do receive an inheritance and you do have a home loan or non-deductible debt, you can potentially look to pay down the non-deductible debt, and um, perhaps if you have equity in your home, you can perhaps redraw some money for investment purposes. Hence, the interest component is deductible. Yeah. Um, that that look that's something we definitely do speak to with some of our clients. Obviously, 
We've spoken about borrowing to invest on previous podcasts. You do need to understand the risk because there is significant risks when you borrow to invest, but potentially it can be a tax-efficient way to to borrow money for investment purposes. And, and also, I think, as you mentioned earlier, some of these decisions are emotional. And, and I've had clients that in, have inherited it. And, and in some ways, they, they know that repaying debt's the right strategy, but sometimes they're reluctant to do it because they sort of think, you know, I don't know whether this is the right thing to do to repay debt with with sort of a... An inheritance that perhaps you know your parents or your grandparents have worked hard to accumulate. So I think that's where that situation there that you mentioned, where reborrowing, it sort of gives you the best of both worlds in that you can structure your affairs where your debt is tax effective, but you can still kickstart that investment plan. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. If you're repaying debt, there's no reason why you can't still have an appropriate investment strategy, but perhaps borrow against the property and. And as you said, the interest is deductible in that situation. So the rate of return that you need um, to, you know, to offset the cost of that debt is quite low. Yeah, it's a way of recycling the, the debt in a in a in a legal way where you can turn the um, I guess the the non deductible debt into deductible debt. So definitely worth some worth a discussion. It probably depend definitely depends on your specific situation and whether you have equity in your home and you know a few other things and. Uh, so yeah, look, that definitely agree with that. Probably the first point there is paying paying down debt, in particular non-deductible debt. Um, another thing that that you can look to do, I guess, if you've paid down some debt or if you have no debt, um, probably an obvious one is to look to to put the money to work and in, and invest it, and try to generate, um, an, I guess, an acceptable rate of return. Yeah, and that's where once again you need to speak to an advisor about. What your options are and, and I suppose putting together an appropriate investment strategy um, that's suitable for your objectives. So if, you, if it's long-term, short-term, whether you need income or whether because you're still working, you, you can take more of a growth option. Um, and I suppose the, the level above that is whether you look at perhaps contributing to superannuation. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about structuring in, in a moment. But in terms of in, investing, would would there be any other kind of any other advice you'd you'd offer to to people let's say that you know they've they've either received a sum of money paid off some debt or have no debt um i think you mentioned earlier design a or have a an investment strategy put in place you know whether that's you do it yourself or, or deal with a professional um that'll that'll dictate how you invest the money whether it's yeah. more aggressive in in growth assets like shares or more conservative in fixed income style investments perhaps i think any pathway to some form of financial independence or additional income that can you know complement your employment income is, is helpful and that that's where once again it's horses for courses so the, the investment strategy that you put in place really has to be suitable to yourself but ideally you want to be in a situation where you've got that money working for you you're generating some cash flow which as i said can supplement your employment income and and you're putting it to to a point where it's working towards you perhaps eventually having um, some financial independence Sure. So I think, Glenn, you were just touching on superannuation. So um, do you want to maybe continue on that point? Yeah, I mean, superannuation? as I was sort of alluding to, once you've made the decision, um, well, you probably make this decision first before you look at how you're investing it, to where you're going to invest it yeah. or what within what structure because simplistically you could just invest it in your own name but, you know, any earnings that are generated on those investments that you hold in your own name, you're going to be paying marginal rates of tax on. Um, whereas if it's appropriate for you to perhaps take a longer-term view and maybe use superannuation, 
uh, then there's the opportunity where the earnings on those investments are taxed at a maximum rate of 15%. And ultimately, that depends on your age, your situation. Um, in that, if you're perhaps closer to retirement, then superannuation probably makes a lot of sense. In that, it may not be that long before you have access to super. Whereas if you're quite young and you've got a number of other objectives that you want to achieve prior to retirement, then yes, superannuation can provide a lot of tax benefits. But you always need to remember that you can't access it for a lot of people until they're, you know, over sixty. Um, so it's just a matter of, of um, I suppose putting in place the right structure for you to invest within mm. that gives you the flexibility and control that's suitable for your situation. Yeah, I think the, the couple of key points from from that is the definitely the age with superannuation. You, you know, the, the younger you are, the longer it's going to be preserved. So that's that's a big consideration and <clears throat> probably contribution caps is the other thing here yeah, where good, yeah. th- there's only so much that you can actually put into superannuation. Like really the most you can put in is, is $300,000 as an individual or $600,000 as a couple if you bring forward a couple uh, two future years, which is the yeah. maximum you can do. So there's caps on how much you can do. There's also the the twenty five thousand dollar concessional contribution cap, which potentially could be used um, a, as well. So, but there's only I guess the other point is there's only so much you can put into superannuation. Yeah, and that's where you you need to speak to your advisor and maybe even your your accountant around other options outside of superannuation, like trust structures and things like that. Um, you, you sort of go up the level of complexity, but depending on your family situation. Um, there can be alternative structures to look at to give you some um, some tax efficiency. De- definitely. Look, the family trust, just to quickly touch on the benefit there, it can allow you to um, stream income and capital gains to, to other beneficiaries to try and perhaps reduce the tax burden. Um, and, and look, as you mentioned earlier, Glenn, if, 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 you, if you're, I think you mentioned, if you're if you're working, let's say you're an employee earning good salary, you receive a sum of money, inherit a sum of money perhaps, um, the earnings could be taxed at 50, close to fifty yeah, percent. Half of it, yeah. so roughly half of the investment income can be taxed. So that's why you know superannuation fifteen percent maximum tax, or a family trust you might be able to stream income to to other beneficiaries or a spouse. It can. It's just a way where you can try and minimise the tax impact. Um, so um, I suppose yeah, you know we've spoken about um, some. You know some options in in terms of what you can do with the money, whether it's paying down debt, investing the money, what structure to consider. Probably another point we're going to raise is just to, um, you know, if, if if your financial position allows you to enjoy some of it, it's probably not a bad thing. Um, you know, especially if it's like a, for example, a redundancy payment where you might have, I don't know, it could be potentially stress a stressful situation like I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, if you have the, <laughs> I guess, the freedom within your your financial situation to use some of it on a holiday or, or something or of gifting, that nature. Or you gifting, know, helping, helping you know, kids, kids yep. or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, obviously, see how that fits in within your financial plan and your objectives though. Um, so, Glenn, another an, another point that we wanted to, to raise was just around the – a couple of other things to consider. So, around the estate planning, um, uh, we'd probably – strongly recommend that if you do come into a sum of money or inherit an asset it's important to see how that impacts into your overall estate plan and what i mean by that is if something was to happen to to you you want to make sure those that 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 money or asset is directed to the right person on on your death yeah i think it's 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 one of those triggers that any estate planning specialist would be would be suggesting that it's time to review wills so there's there's numerous triggers throughout life whether it's marriage or 
you know, retirement, whatever it may be, or additional children, all those different life events um, that that should trigger an estate planning review. So definitely that would be the situation that that you would um, seek some specialist advice. Great. Well, uh, look, I think we've covered the key points that we wanted to have a chat about today, Glenn. So just a a quick wrap in in summary. Um, Throughout... You know, throughout your lifetime, you may come into some unexpected money, um, whether it's an inheritance, a redundancy payment, a bonus or, or lottery winnings, for example. Um, it's important to um, understand the tax a- taxation implications if this was to occur. Um, perhaps lean on other professionals around you, an advisor, an accountant. Um, understand your goals and objectives so you can best direct the money to the right place, whether it's um, whether it's towards debt repayment or, or investing the money. Um, so yeah, once again, hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to having you next week. Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the, the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po- podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, Thanks again. We'll see you next week.